You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 916 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. The show today will focus primarily on the Hawks getting a 14-point defeat in Milwaukee tonight. Not a huge surprise they lost this game, given the personnel that was available for Atlanta that we'll touch on momentarily. And they battled throughout. There were some positives, there were some negatives, as there often are with games, and we'll touch on all of those momentarily. But first, a little bit of news that transpired over the weekend. It's not huge news, but it's certainly noteworthy. Tim Reynolds of the AP reported that the USA basketball program is, quote, casting a wider-than-usual net, end quote, in its roster selection process for the Olympics coming up in Tokyo later this summer. There is some debate about whether the Olympics are actually going to happen, but potentially they will be, and they have to plan as if they're going to be there. And the additions to the player pool reportedly include Zion Williamson, John Morant, Duncan Robinson, Christian Wood, and Atlanta Hawks guard Trey Young. Uh, Trey was famously snubbed the last time around, and no one thought he was going to make the team last time around, but there was a lot of drama around that situation where Trey was not even invited. It was a pretty crazy snub. He definitely should have been there. All that stuff. Now, he's at least on the extended list, at least according to the reporting from Tim, who's plugged in, I would say, with USA Basketball, so I believe that source. Um, there's a There was a 44-player group last time that Trey was not a part of. I thought Trey should have been a lock, and I thought Colin should have been there, quite honestly, last time around. And according to the AP reporting, everyone except for Clay Thompson, who is injured, is, is expected to be on the, on the initial list for USA Basketball. So that's 43 players. And then they only reported five new names with Zion, Ja, uh, Duncan Robinson, Christian Wood, and Trey. So that would take you to 48. And the reporting is that they're, gonna, they're actually going to have 60 players on the list, potentially. So there's still 12 names, if you do the math there, from 60 to 48, that could be invited or at least added to this expansive list. Again, not likely to make the team, probably, these guys, but at least potentially would be there. I think if it's me, John Collins should be included in that. I'm not sure if you will be, and there's been nothing about that. But uh, if nothing else, Trey Young is, is apparently going to be on the extended list for USA Basketball, and that is a step forward from the last time when he was not. Okay, now we'll go to the game stuff from today. Uh, injury-wise, it was a very, very busy day, day and a half or so. So Every game, the Hawks have to put out an injury report the day before, unless it's a back-to-back. So on Saturday, the Hawks listed Trey Young and DeAndre Hunter both as questionable on the injury report. Trey Young with a back spasm, Hunter with the same injury that he was battling that he missed a game for earlier last week. Then they added Clint Capella to the injury report with a hand issue on Sunday as questionable, and they took Hunter off the injury report entirely, which is a positive. Obviously, Hunter played very well in this game. We'll talk about him later on. But now you're talking about Trey Young, and Clint Capella, both being questionable as of Sunday afternoon. Then, when Lloyd Pierce spoke to the media, he will often reveal, uh, not always, but often reveal the final decisions on some of the player stuff, if guys are listed as questionable or probable or doubtful or whatever, starting lineups, all that stuff. Lloyd did not have an update in the pregame at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, so no definitive stuff there. In fact, he was actually asked about Minutes restrictions for some other guys like Gallinari and Kongwu, he declined to offer any of those. Um, spoiler alert, we figured out after the game that Gallinari's minutes restriction is still 18 minutes, it appears, because he played 1840 
in this game, and Pierce said that he went over by 40 seconds, so you can kind of do the math there, but still unclear as to what the restrictions are on a Kongwu and maybe even Tony Snell, but I think Kongwu and Gallinari are the two most prominent ones. They definitely still have restrictions of some kind, but we now know Gallinari, at least for today, a Kongwu is still up in the air, but alas, that was the other thing that was happening pregame. But at about 7 p.m. Eastern, an hour before the game, the Hawks announced that both Trey Young and Clint Capella were out of the lineup. So that's obviously a big swing against the Hawks. They were already going to be underdogs in this game in Milwaukee against a good team. But according to our friends at BetOnline.ag, the spread was about 11.5 after Young and Capella were already ruled out of the game. So that's a big spread. In the NBA, you don't often see a ton of spreads that big. And that tells you what the Hawks were up against in this spot against a full-strength Milwaukee team. The Hawks were 2-5 and five last year. They were semi-respectable without Trey Young, but still... Um, obviously, being without Young and Capella, who were two leading candidates for Player of the Week, I would say, from last week on a 3-0 team. Both guys dominated. Um, yeah, obviously pretty shorthanded there, especially when you factor in match restrictions for Gallinari and Akongwu. But alas, a tough spot, and especially a bad spot for size-wise, because Capella, you know, Milwaukee's huge, let's just say. Brooke Lopez is uh, definitely a shooter and all that stuff, but he's still a massive human being. Obviously, Giannis is huge and physical. And the Hawks elected to go with Rondo, in for Trey in the starting lineup, and then a Kongwu gets the first start of his career. And that was probably an interesting decision, I would say, behind the scenes. We, we're all guessing. But you're basically choosing between a Kongwu and Gallinari, and while Gallinari is a better player than a Kongwu, he was on his restriction for sure at 18 minutes. So it's tough to start a guy at 18-minute restriction. If a Kongwu is in that same range, it's even tougher. And the Hawks chose not to play Bruno Fernando at all in this game, or Nathan Knight. Um, so the Hawks went with basically a 9.5-minute rotation. And the only bigs, like true bigs, that played in this game were Collins, Akongwu, and Gallinari. And then Solomon Hill and Hunter played some at the four each. But they went kind of small overall against the Bucks, which I understand because they don't they, they seem to not, to not want to play Bruno, which I definitely understand. He was struggling early in the season. Um, so not a ton of options, but overall, that was the decision-making. They go with Rondo and Akongwu. That was not too controversial, I don't think, but we'll come back to that later on. We'll discuss some of the lineup stuff, but... That sets the stage. Obviously, you know, now if you watch this game, that the Hawks lose this game by 14 points, we will come back and talk all about the game. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is our good friends at Built Bar. I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is still very much the case. But also, the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic, and they continue to be so. But now, there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and, a, and of course, my personal favorite, and cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out. And from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need. And again, a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's BuiltBar.com right now. And use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get there. When you visit BuiltBar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com and try Built Bar today. We will now dive into the game-by-game game sort of flow here. It was a pretty rough start for the Hawks, and if you look at the full game, that was kind of when they lost this game. Obviously, it might have changed the trajectory at some level, but the Hawks digging themselves a hole was pretty pretty brutal given the game context here. They lost the first quarter by a 32-15 margin, 
and then won the rest of the game. Now, some of that's garbage time late, but the Hawks did play pretty well after the first quarter. The first quarter was pretty dire, especially offensively. So, right out of the gate, I will say about a Kongwu, who I, I thought played well in this game, particularly defensively. I thought he did a really good job. They put him on Giannis, and that was a decision that made some sense to me. You could have put John Collins on him. John did have him at some point, but you might as well have a Kongwu do what he does best, I think, right now on the NBA floor, which is play defense. And he had a he did he did sort of get dunked on right out of the gate by Giannis. But then from there, he drew a charge, he had a block, he had a steal in the first two minutes. Uh, and they went with Collins on Brooke Lopez and Hunter on Chris Middleton, which with I think is probably what I, what I would have done as well in that short sample. But offensively, it was really kind of a mess. On both sides, on both sides initially, and then the Bucks kind of woke up faster than the Hawks did. It was a nine to two run by by the Bucks to open the game. The Hawks opened one of nine from the floor and zero of five from three. That included zero of seven from Herter and DeAndre Hunter, who went crazy later on, but started off slowly as well. And Collins only had one touch, I felt like, in the first like three minutes, which is not what you wanted on a game that he was kind of your focal point, at least on paper. Um, they went to Solomon Hill for a Kongwu, and he made his first three to break the drought. But from there, it was kind of dire. 19-3, sorry, 19-6 overall run by the Bucks coming out of the gate. The Hawks scored six points in the first seven minutes of action. They went to Goodwin and Reddish late in the quarter. Got the lead down to 10 at one point with a lineup featuring Goodwin, Snell, Reddish, Hill, and Gallinari, the full uh, second unit for that brief time for that brief time period. But then the Bucks, the Bucks got it back with a 9-2 run to close the quarter to go up by a 17-point margin. So 32-15. The Hawks shoot 6-22 from the floor and 2-14 from three in the first quarter with two free throw attempts. They were settling in a big way, I thought. That was in my notes. I, I know Kevin, I saw Kevin Starr say that of Hawks.com. And then Lloyd Pierce said after the game, kind of unprompted, that, that they were settling for too many quick shots. Um, he, he uh, I, believe, I believe he referred to it as taking the easy way out offensively. I would agree with that. A couple of bad settles. And yes, it's hard to create good looks with some of the lineups that they were putting out there because they had to put some bad lineups out there today offensively, but still, the Hawks did not play well offensively in the first quarter. It was not only shot making. It would have helped if they made some shots, but they had some pretty poor shot quality, I thought, in the first quarter, and that definitely improved throughout the game, but it got them in a hole in the early going. In fact, the Hawks had a sub-60 offensive rating in the first quarter, which is untenable, quite obviously, and Collins had five points. No one else on the team could match that, so that tells you how, how sort of ugly it was in that first quarter. Now, from that point forward, it was a lot better. Um, they opened up the second quarter with a Goodwin, Reddish, Schnell, Hunter, and Gallinari lineup, and then Hunter got going right away. So, the first design play of the second quarter was a great design by Lloyd Pierce. They got Pierce, uh, they, sorry, they got Hunter in a, um, I would say, an advantage situation. He scored on a, on a pull-up jump shot. He had the first four points of the quarter. The Bucs got the lead, got the lead up to 22 at one point, and actually ultimately by as many as 24 in the second quarter, but the Hawks had a couple of good runs, I thought. They scored 17 points in the first six minutes of the second quarter. The offense was kind of clicking a little bit more through Hunter and through Collins. Um, there was one bad stretch where it was an 8-0 run by the Bucks that featured a really sort of ghastly turnover and a really bad shot from Cam Reddish. A couple of missed threes alongside that as well. The Hawks did battle, got it down, got it down to 17 at one point late in the quarter and then back up to 19 at the half, but it was actually better than that in, in the quarter itself. Hunter had 14 in the second quarter alone, and that sort of led him into his career best night that he had uh, on this evening. But 14 points on 5-7 shooting, 4-4 four, four from the free throw line with three assists. The Hawks shot better in that period. Um, and by the way, Collins had 13 points on nine shooting possessions in the first half as well. He, he did his job, but Milwaukee was just sort of dominant uh, around the rim, on the glass, and points in the paint, on all that stuff. And that was kind of indicative if you watch this game. They were just the more physical team for large portions of the contest. In the second half... They went to Gallinari as a starting 
you know, either center or power forward, depending on what you want to say with Collins. But they did that instead of a Kongwu, which I thought was okay. It was a decision. Uh, obviously, you want to limit minutes. Um, they did that on purpose with both those guys. So you, it kind of doesn't really matter a whole lot. But Gallinari was great in this game offensively at 17 points in 19 minutes. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to him later on. But that, that ended up working, quote-unquote. It was a 14-6 to run by the Hawks out of the break. Collins hit a three, Hunter hit a pull-up, Collins hit another three. In fact, Collins and Hunter had 37 in the first 57 points for the Hawks. They were really cooking between the second and third quarters. And then Giannis got his fourth foul. Gallinari gets to the free throw line, cut, cut it to 11, and then Rondo comes in, um, sort of comes back, I should say, and gets back-to-back layups to cut the lead to single digits. So the Hawks go from down 24 pretty late in the second quarter to down eight, like midway through the third. So it was a pretty big stretch for Atlanta. Yes, they had to uh, sort of use a lot of energy to do it, but a nice punchback from the Hawks after a three by Hunter, all that stuff. They had 30 points in the first nine minutes of the quarter. They made their first four threes. They were 11-17 from the floor at one point in the third, and they had it around 10-ish the entire rest of the way in the third. And it sort of ended on a, on a weird note. The Hawks were down 11. They got a great block from a Kongwu um, near the rim, and then Hunter hit a half-court shot that seemingly put them down by eight at the end of the third quarter. A long, long review through the entire commercial break. They were reviewing the play, and then they put the, they took it off the board. I think it was probably late, but honestly, it was really, really close. I'm not sure wh- how they overturned it, if it was called good on the floor. But regardless, it didn't count, so the Hawks were still down 11 instead of 8. But still, an awesome quarter, all things considered. The Hawks scored 36 points in the quarter, 13-20 from the floor, 4-4 four, four from 3 and perfectly 6 of 6 from the free throw line, so hyper-efficient. Hunter had 9. Collins was really active as well. They did a really good job in that quarter to make things interesting, and they won that quarter 36-28, so best quarter of the night by far for Atlanta. But then the fourth arrives, and uh, in short order, it was 15 again. So it was a 7-0 run by the Bucks to go by 15 points with 9 minutes to go. There was a couple of pushes from the Hawks, but there was a 5-point possession at one point because Hunter got Hunter fouled a 3-point shooter as Bryn Forbes, he was called for the foul. Then it was reviewed and upgraded to a flagrant. So you're following a three point a three point shooter who makes all three, and it's a flagrant. So the Bucks get the ball back. So it was a five point possession by Milwaukee. That was a bad bad break, and not not my favorite call either. Honestly, I think it was kind of a bad call. But alas, um, still the Hawks were like, I would say in a tough spot. But that that didn't help to be sure. And then they got a challenge that went that went against them. Again, probably the right call after the overturn but kind of a bad break for Atlanta because of a three-point play by Brook Lopez, and suddenly it's 17 again. Um, the Hawks did, did get it back down to, I believe, 11 in the final two minutes of this game, but it was never really threatened. The biggest threat was the third quarter, and then the Bucks kind of restored order for most of the fourth. Uh, there, were, there were some uh, individual pursuits at the end of the fourth with Hunter and, and a new career high for him, and then Collins had a new career high for threes. But uh, overall, it was kind of a academic fourth quarter Back and forth, back and forth, but the Hawks never really made that big charge after the third. So, again, broadly speaking, the Hawks played, I think, reasonably well outside of the first quarter. But you just cannot afford, being as shorthanded as they were, you couldn't afford to be down 17 at the end of the first. Um, that kind of speaks for itself, but it's just worth saying out loud. The offense was really bad in the first quarter, and the fact that they were able to salvage the night and post good efficiency overall offensively is kind of crazy, given how bad it was early on. So, that gives us a good timing to talk about this now. But the Hawks shot, you know, 63%, so sorry, 62% from true shooting. They're 50, 50% from the field, 36, 36% from three. They got to the line 22 times. They had 27 assists. They had an offensive rating of, of about 117. All of those are very good. 
Like, Milwaukee is not playing defense at quite the level that they have in the last couple of years. They're more like above average rather than absolutely awesome this year defensively. But to go on the road without Trey and without Capella and to score at an above average level is pretty impressive. Most of that credit goes to the three guys, Hunter, Collins, and Gallinari. But still, the Hawks played well offensively and doubly well if you ignore the first quarter. So that's positive, full stop, especially without Trey. Now, defensively, it was more of a struggle. The Bucks are awesome offensively. They're a top-five offense, so no concerns about giving up a lot of points to them. But the Bucks had a 1.31 offensive rating in this game. That is, you know, uber elite. You can't really win, expect to win much on the road, especially if you're going to give up defensive numbers like that. Um, some of that's good shot making, but even then the Bucks shot 10 of 31 from three. So it wasn't like they were hot. They shot substandard from three and missed eight free throws and still scored at that level because the Bucks got a ton of offensive rebounds. They had 16 offensive rebounds. That is where the loss of Capella really burned Atlanta in this game was that Milwaukee got 43%, sorry, sorry, 42% of their offensive rebounds, which is well above the number one offensive rebounding team in the, in the league level. They were just dominant on the glass, which is not a huge surprise. Again, given, given the personnel that was available for Atlanta, but they really, really, really bludgeoned the Hawks on the boards in this game, and that was a big turning point. In addition to just like you know being efficient, being efficient around the rim, points in the paint, it was sixty to thirty in favor of the Bucks. That's not always indicative of offense, uh, you know what you want, but this is I mean, you don't you don't want to be doubled up in the paint offensively. So defensively was really the problem in this game, which is crazy. At the end of the first quarter, I would have told you the offense was going to be the problem in this game because it definitely was in the first quarter, but overall. The full four-quarter picture was that the offense was pretty good, and defensively, they just could not get enough stops to win this game. So, we will have more momentarily, uh, but first, a word from our sponsors at betonline.ag. The NFL season is coming to a close in the near future, but the biggest game of all is still to come, and with that in mind, there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus with the site. If you're listening to this show, you will undoubtedly know that the NBA is now in full swing. On top of that, basketball fans may also be interested in jam-packed college basketball slates virtually every night of the week. And from there, the matchup for all the marbles in the NFL is now set. And there are other sports also worthy of your attention, from hockey to soccer to MMA and baseball is coming soon. If none of that gets you going, there's a full menu of offerings from BetOnline on any sport you can think of. And BetOnline also has a huge menu of player props as well as live wagering options, future bets, alternate lines, and much, much more. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll dive in now to the individual players. And the Hawks played 10 guys in this game, but only nine of them really played beyond one stint. So no Skyler Mays. No Bruno Fernando, no Nathan Knight, and obviously Capella and Young and Bogdanovich were out, and Kristen were, were out. So they only had 12 active players, 10 of them appeared. Um, sorry, no, 13 active players, and 10 of them appeared. Um, but again, only only really nine and a half, because Tony Snell played five minutes, but it was only, only one stretch for Snell. I had no problem with that. I think he probably would have gotten one more stint, but Hunter was so good. Hunter played 42 minutes in this game, which is a lot, considering how the Hawks were down double digits for most of the second half. But Hunter was so good that it was hard to take him off the court. So I'm I'm guessing this is not something that Pierce said. But if you look at the minutes, the way they broke down, I would assume that Snell would probably do one more stint 
that he never got because Hunter was cooking. So no problem there. Um, Snell was just kind of a non-factor when he was out there, but that's, that's okay. Goodwin played a pretty, pretty limited amount, 14 minutes for Brandon, because uh, Rondo played a ton in this game, which we'll come back to. But Goodwin was just okay. He had two turnovers. He was minus 11. Did have five assists. Gave him some good energy defensively, but was not like a huge game breaker or anything like that. Um, Solomon Hill, I thought was pretty solid. Hit a three, got to the line for two free throws, nine points, three assists, a steal, and a block. I thought he did his job and was pretty solid. Defensively, he's definitely not great, um, especially against a big team like Milwaukee, but he did his job. He's in the right place at the right time for the most, for the most part. Gallinari was awesome, I thought, especially offensively. You know, it speaks for itself, but 17 points in 19 minutes, four bay from the floor, three of six from three, and then made all six of his free throws. Two assists, three rebounds. This is a good um, advertisement for what he can do offensively. Now, eventually he'll be playing a little bit more than this, you would imagine, because he is so good offensively. But that tells you the impact that he can make on that end of the floor. Defensively, it's pretty bad. I mean, we knew that coming in. I talked about it a lot over the summer. He can't really move. And part of that is that he's not necessarily in the best shape right now after missing a bunch of time. But he really can't move very well. So that's going to be a problem at times, which we know. Which we again, we, we knew that going in. But uh, matchup stuff will be interesting for Gallinari because he really is an offense, maybe not only, but offense first is uh, putting it kindly at this point. And then the fifth guy off the bench is Cam Reddish, who I thought was pretty bad. And it's not really breaking ground. I think even the biggest Reddish fan would tell you that he was bad in this game because he was five points, four rebounds, did have two steals and an assist. But was one of the eight from the floor, 0 of 5 from 3, 3 of 4 from the free throw line. And even defensively, like usually Cam can bolster himself value-wise with some defense. And I know he had the two steals, but I thought he was bad defensively in this game. Like a lot of gambles, a lot of weird positioning, kind of got lost a few times. He was not, he was just not good. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I could sugarcoat it. People are worried too much, I think, about Cam Reddish right now. He is struggling. You know, his offensive numbers for the season are pretty bad. Like they're unsightly, shooting numbers in particular, but he, he just missed some time. I think his offense has never been as good as people people thought it was so far in his career. I think his defense has been actually better than people thought so far. But I, I'm not going to like panic and tell you that he needs to pl- stop playing. All this. I saw some of that stuff on Twitter tonight, just people yelling into the void about how Cam shouldn't play anymore. And, you know, that's an overreaction that's probably just rooted in frustration in the middle of a game. I think he is pretty clearly not one of the Hawks' two best wings right now. Uh, so he shouldn't be playing a ton of minutes. But... You know, there's stuff that he does on the court that's uh, positive usually. In this game, defensively, he didn't really have it. But I thought, uh, you know, it's just one of those nights. But he, he was brutal. There's no way around that. He was a big, big negative in this game. To the starters, and the guy that struggled the most, I thought, was Kevin Herter, who I, th- who I think has played very well this season. But this this night was not was not his best. Eight points, two steals, two assists, two rebounds, three below from the floor, two of six from three. I think defensively as well. In this game, he was he was pretty lost. Not that he's ever like fantastic, but it's probably below average there. And then offensively, a couple of bad shots near the rim. He was one of the culprits in the first quarter that kind of settled a little bit for some questionable shot selection decisions. I thought he was better than Reddish, but not not good. So when the, when those two guys struggle that badly, you know Hunter was awesome. Obviously, we'll get into him in a second. But when you know two of your three main wings on a night like this don't have it, and you don't have Trey it becomes a little bit tough. So that's a bad recipe, and that's what cost them in a big way today. Um, Rondo, 30 minutes, by far the most, the most he's played for the Hawks. Obviously, that goes along with Trey missing the game. Rondo had some flashes. He had seven assists, a couple of really nice passes, seven points. Uh, defensively, it was really a mess throughout the game. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not surprised by that. People, uh, I think when they signed Rondo, people pointed to his defense because of legacy stuff, but he's a bad defender right now. Occasionally, he'll make a, go- a couple of nice reads, he has good instincts at times, but uh, it's not good. And 
you know, offensively, it's uneven. It doesn't have to be guarded a whole lot. It was, over, it was 0 3 from 3. It was interesting to see sort of the pairings that the Hawks used in this game. I think logically, splitting up Rondo and Gallinari made some sense because of creation stuff. Like, Goodwin's not a creator necessarily for others. So if you want to split up Gallinari and Rondo, I get that. So when they start when they started the lineup with Rondo and Okongwu, I kind of understood it because Rondo's supposed to be a creator on offense, and Okongwu is more of a play finisher right now. If they had started Goodwin, I would have probably gone with Gallinari because, and that way you could have another creator on the court. So there were no great options rotationally in this spot, but Rondo is a limited player in some ways, especially in the play, especially in the regular season, I should say. And, you know, playing him 30 minutes was actually kind of a surprise to me. That was more than I thought he might play in this game. So that's a positive sign for his conditioning, for his physicality and all that. So that's a good sign, I would say, overall. But the play was not incredible. He was okay at times, but defensively he gave a lot back. Uh, Okongwu, 16 minutes, four points, three block shots, a steal, two rebounds. I thought he played very well defensively. Um, there's still moments when he definitely is a rookie. You can tell that. But uh, I thought, again, he, he gave them what they wanted him to give in this game. Um, again, I think that it, this is me guessing now, not reporting. I think he's still on a minutes restriction that's pretty modest, or he probably would have played a little bit more in this game. I could be wrong about that. But the fact that they went small at times when they didn't feel like they probably should go small was an, indic- was, was an indication for me that they didn't have anybody to go to. Um but Kongwu was good. I, I think that you can't ask for much more than that from him. It's a tough matchup against Milwaukee for anybody, especially a guy in, in, his, in his first couple of weeks playing, his first start. It's like, go out there and guard Giannis right out of the gate as in your first start. And by the way, he did a pretty credible job. The first possession was kind of was kind of scary because Giannis went right through him for a dunk. But then from that point forward, he was pretty solid. So I'm a big Kongwu fan. I think he played very well in this game. And, you know, offensively, I'm seeing some calls to like throw him the ball and get out of the way, like ISO stuff or post ups. That's not the player that he is. I think long term he can be a good face up guy. He's got he's got some skills, but right now he's a play finisher, pretty much exclusively offensively right now. And then defensively is where he's gonna get some value. So I don't worry about that. The two shots is totally fine. He got to the line, missed both free throws, no problems there either. So I think I think he played well. It was a it was a generally positive night for Kongwu. And then the two big stars of the game were Hunter and Collins. We'll go to Collins first. Thirty points, seven rebounds, three assists. For JC, a career high, six three-pointers, six of nine. He was also six of ten on, on twos. No free throws, but I think he played well offensively. I mean, no question about that. Defensively, what are you going to do? It's a tough team to play defense on. He wasn't great defensively by his recent standards, but he did enough. So you can't argue with 30 and 37 minutes. He was efficient. Um, it was kind of a slow start like it was for everybody, but he picked it up. And, uh, yeah, no complaints. I think John played well, obviously, as the numbers indicate. And then DeAndre Hunter was awesome. A career high, 33 points. And, by the way... DeAndre Hunter did not score in the first quarter. So DeAndre Hunter, and he played a lot in the first quarter. So he scored a career high without scoring in the first quarter. Not not the fourth quarter in garbage time. In the entire first quarter, he did not score. So he was obviously incredible after that. Um, The big stretch in the second quarter uh, with 14 points. But 33, four assists, four rebounds, two turnovers, only four fouls. 42 minutes, 13-21 from the floor, two of five from three. And 5-6 from the free throw line. His mid-range game was great in this game. His pull-up shooting was good. He attacked the rim with some vigor, as he has been this season. Uh, just Honestly, just an exquisite performance from him. If the game had started at the end of the, at the, end of the first quarter, it would have been even better. He was kind of shaky in the, in the early going, as everybody was. But, man, he was really, really good. You know, what are you going to say? Hunter's been awesome. Like, there's full stop awesome. Yeah, he's going to be perfect every night. No. But anyone that's telling you that they think that you know Hunter's been... Anything but awesome so far this season is just being silly. He's been 
incredible. Honestly, he's the one. I would say if you're up, it's just pretty clear at this point. But if you're if you look up, up and down the roster at the guys picking out picking out their baseline expectations, sort of consensus, and then comparing them, he is the guy who is the furthest beyond expectations this season. That's pretty clear. But I'll just say it out loud: like his performance has been jarringly good, and he was the biggest reason why the Hawks were competitive in this game. Obviously, he had some help. Gallinari, Collins, other things that happened throughout the game. But Hunter was awesome, and uh, shouts to him for putting it all together on this night. So, that'll do it for today's podcast. But, you know, broadly speaking, the Hawks are now 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, That is not ideal, but 8-8 eight and eight is fine. They're hanging around. The schedule is more difficult. And again, I think the last thing I'll just say on this game tonight is that the Hawks are supposed to lose this game. Even, even before Trey and Capella were ruled out, the Hawks were like a 7- or 8-point underdog on the road. It's a tough game. Milwaukee is a top-five team in the league. There's no shame in losing the game, um, and especially once once Young and Capella ruled out, you're supposed to lose full stop. But the Hawks competed. This is not a bad night for Atlanta overall, I would say. It wasn't great either, but they did okay. They hung around. The first quarter was frustrating, but everything else was okay in this spot, and they'll have the opportunity to right the ship a little bit this week. Now, it is pretty tough. The Hawks travel back, and then, do, then they, they do not play on Monday, but there's a back-to-back coming against the Clippers and the Nets. So the Clippers are, if not as good as the Lakers, they are probably the number two team in the West. The Nets are obviously loaded with the trio of Durant, Harden, and Irving. Now, the Hawks, we've already seen the Hawks play against the Nets twice this season. They split with them, split with them in Brooklyn. Now they have Harden on the team. It's a, different, it's a different sort of new-look Nets team. The Hawks can certainly win either game. They can win both games. They are capable of that. But baseline, if the Hawks get a split out of that, that would be a success. Uh, if you look at just what point spreads are going to be and all that stuff, they'll be underdogs in both games, even at home, unless there's a rest disadvantage that I don't see coming. But yeah, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, you're hoping that Trey Young with with the back spasm and Capella with the hand thing gets back. Um, if you have both those guys, you're in better shape. That goes without saying. But we'll uh, have more coming in the near future. I will have more content coming uh, on this podcast. If you want to subscribe to the show, it's the best way to get the podcast whenever it drops. I'm not 100% sure what my schedule is this week. At the very, very latest, I will have a podcast after the game on Tuesday, and I will always have four or five shows per week. Uh, I'm dialing that up. Throughout the season, it's been usually five per week, um, minimum four, I will say, throughout the con- throughout the season, unless I have some crazy happenings that I'm not aware of. So hang in there, everybody. Please subscribe to the show. Please tell your friends. Leave five stars and nice comments and all that stuff if you would like to, and we'll see you at the very latest after the game on Tuesday. <laughs>